0: All right, I'd like to welcome our special guest to this episode of the Hot Seat, Mike Taveras, or Mike T. Uh, Michael Taveras has been a professional in the water sports scene since 2003. Whether it's supping or paddling the world's biggest and best river waves, or just goofing off with his four-legged sidekick companion, Shredder, it's hard <laughs> to find somebody who's having more fun on the water. How's it going, Mike?
1: Oh. Uh- Great, John. Hey, thanks for having me. Stoked to be here.
0: Yeah, man. Thanks for coming in. It's uh here on the East Coast. It's eight p.m. I have a nice glass of wine here. Ooh,
1: Ooh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Sorry to keep you up so late. I have a beer here. Just off work, you know. It's well, yeah. Six o'clock. It's time for a beer, you know. Perfect. So, yeah.
0: Well, before we dig into it. Share with our audience something that most people don't know about you. What's so, what, what's something that, that, that maybe is not quite so discovered about my team?
1: Hmm. Oh, man. Um, well, uh, I got a good one, actually. It's sitting right here next to me. Um, not a lot of people know that I play the drums, actually. Um, uh, actually, before paddling, was one of my passions. probably started playing when I was 12, so about 25, 26 years now. Um, but, yeah, I used to play in some bands. Um back in my um high school college days, actually played in a Christian rock band, believe it or not. You know, yeah, I don't know if you've ever heard yeah, it's hilarious. Uh I've I had a, a nickname called Mordecai. I had this big old neck beard. <laughs> uh and uh there's still some pictures floating around, you know, various spots, but uh that one pops up every now and then. The badfish crew calls me Mordecai sometimes, you know. And people are like, Who what? What are you talking about? You uh, know, on the on the speaker at the races and whatnot and yeah, it's it's pretty funny. Oh, so that's a, that's a pretty random one. Not many people know about that. One.
0: That's a good so. one. Thanks for that. You know <laughs> what? From now on, dude, you're Mordecai.
1: I, I, I love <laughs> it. Yeah. I'll I'll shoot you a picture at some point of my uh, Mordecai days. Uh, you'll get a good kick out of it. You know. So. Yeah.
0: Well, what kind of music <laughs> you listening these listening to these days? What's at the top of your playlist?
1: Oh man, you know I gosh I'm a sucker for the same old stuff. Honestly, um, lately. Um, man continuous rotation is uh built to spill hot water music. I just can't get those out of my playlist. I, it's <laughs> I don't know why <laughs> you know oddly enough I uh, I found some old LVM videos and uh, there's a bunch of hot water music in those yeah you oh, remember yeah, this song, oh, yeah so, for good. Sure. so good so good uh, actually you know oh sorry go ahead
0: No, that's sick you're listening to that what were you gonna say? You
1: know, yeah I, I love playing it on the drums and stuff but so I just watched the I, I've never been much of a deadhead. Um, but I, I watched the, a documentary recently on the Grateful Dead on uh, Amazon Prime, I think it was, like a six-part series. And uh, I, I can't get enough Grateful Dead lately, too. So it's uh, – and then, you know, it kind of goes into the bluegrass and all that sort of stuff.
0: And Dude, I'm the same. little Greta
1: Van Fleet lately. Ooh, those guys are good. But, yeah, seriously, every, every day I get home or on the way to the mountain or whatever i am been up to this winter, it's just pop on the dead, you know. And I don't know. It gets you in the right mood, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah for sure all right well let's dig in start from the beginning before you got into sup before you even were ever on a river you know before you ever grabbed a one wheel you know what what were you (laughs) like as a kid what what was what was pre-public mike t all about
1: (laughs) oh gosh you know uh well i grew up in richmond uh virginia uh yeah like I, i never paddled um I wasn't really an outdoorsy guy. Uh, I didn't even go camping until I, I think my freshman year of college. I don't think I slept in a tent until college, which is kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, I was growing up. I was like a team sports kid, played baseball, basketball, that sort of stuff. I found skateboarding at a pretty early age. Um, so that was kind of my one of my passions through high school. Just kind of a little skateboard punk rolling around, you know, um, did that, started snowboarding. But just kind of a suburban kid, really, you know, grew up, had had the big friend crews and lots of team sports and until I got into the skate and snowboard scene, you know, the snowboard scene in Virginia, not much of a snow scene there, but <laughs> yeah, you know, what I could do. Um, so yeah, you know, that I, it was a pretty, pretty great suburban upbringing, honestly, a great family, um, a rather large family actually. So, um, but yeah, lots of cousins, brother and sister, just big family. So just kind of a good Southern upbringing. So, uh, great. yeah.
0: When, when did when, you find the river?
1: You know, I was, um, you know, oddly enough, being in Richmond, I never ha- I never found the river until I went to college, even though, you know, Richmond has great whitewater on the James there downtown. Mm-hmm. It was just a couple miles from my house. Um, it was in college. I was I went to Radford University and uh, geography major for a little bit, like environmental studies. And then some of my buddies were in the outdoor rec department, so recreation, parks, and tourism. And there was this elective course that I could do for the summer. It was an outdoor leadership course. And um, yeah, so it was basically you're kayaking, rafting for a week, climbing, backpacking for 20 days. So I went on that actually as an elective. Uh, quickly after that, I switched my major to outdoor rec. But during that time, you know, we, uh, we actually, it was all in Colorado, so it was pretty cool. So we spent a week on the Arkansas River, uh, kind of based around Salida, uh, Fort Carson Outdoor Recreation. Uh, out of uh, colorado springs was kind of our river guides they taught us basics for rafting then we did four days kayaking so my first introduction was brand new <clears throat> i think i was 20 i think yeah, i was probably about 20 21 uh did four days kayaking on the arkansas river and i literally i was hooked it was it was crazy there was 12 people in the course and i was the you know it's just a class two there and uh, I was the only person that wasn't absolutely terrified of the water and didn't swim like seven times in four miles, you know and I for literally from that point on my mind just switched because I I'd kind of been searching around for a sport that I really loved and I was passionate about I was hiking backpacking climbing and stuff like that and I found once I found kayaking it was it That was literally my mind switched and I was fully focused So it was pretty cool. And we had, we actually went back into Salida for lunch and I saw people freestyle kayaking And that really drew me into, you know, I was hooked as soon as I saw people cartwheeling and looping and all that sort of stuff. I was like, I have to do that. And I went home and got a boat and that was, you know, just started the process of becoming a a whitewater enthusiast. So so, it was great.
0: So through that journey, did you have any kind of mentors or or anybody who sort of took you under your wing or were you on your own path?
1: No, I was lucky. Um, We had a great crew of paddlers in Radford. I'm sure, you know, a couple of them um there's a guy adam Goshorn, uh lives in northern alabama he's kind of the the lrc canyon guy you know he lives a couple i know you've talked with adam um so i hooked up with him he was he was running he was one of the a couple years ahead of me i think and he kind of took me under his wing which was awesome you know i once i got up to speed could roll could paddle some class two three you know he started me taking taking me on some excursions and um had a couple other buddies too that were from Virginia beach that were living there. And, you know, we started going up to the golly and the new river. And oh, so I had a great crew, which was nice. And then it just kind of, you know, snowballed into, to more paddling and meet more people like yourself and, you know um, but yeah, you know, I always had the role models. Uh, I, gosh, I, I don't even know how many times I watched um, LVM seven rivers expeditions and all that stuff. Godly, it was just on repeat. It was great. So, you know, I looked up to, all, all you guys and the icons in the whitewater industry, and but I had a great crew at, at the same time, in Radford and Virginia Tech. You know, Virginia Tech was a great place for, for boaters. A lot of good boaters came out of there, so it was cool.
0: So at some point, you decided to quit sitting and start standing. <laughs> How did that happen? I mean, you were an early uh, adopter in, in SUP. How did that, all that happen? Yeah, yeah. You know, it was, it was,
1: it was really strange and kind of uh, just one of the that happens you know i at the time i had been doing i think i was probably on my fourth or fifth summer in salida uh teaching kayaking for Armo c doing a little raft guiding stuff like that in the summer and i would you know i was just down at the play hole every day after work till it got dark just just surfing around having a good time and um you know i I was never good i was an okay surfer growing up you know surfing virginia beach and stuff and i never got a ton of exposure to that but i always was drawn to it from from the other board sports i did um, and you know, it was, it was odd. So I was down there kayaking a lot and, um, Zach Hughes and Mike Harvey, who are the owners of Batfish SUP and good friends of mine now, um, they were literally just down there testing boards. I, I remember seeing Zach, you know, and, uh, wetsuit, all black, you know, he's always got the full black get up on and just really focused in. And he was just testing all these prototypes. I found out later, uh, handmade stuff, cause he was kind of transitioning from kayaking into something else. Um, and he grew up in San Diego. So he always had these boards down there and I didn't really know him very well, but I was just kind of watching him. And one day I just got the guts to go up to him and say, Hey, can I try that? You know? And they're like, yeah, sure. Why not? And, uh, it was actually their first SUP that they made for the river. Cause they were making little short boards, but as you know, the waves in Salida, you know, they're not too powerful. They don't really have a, a whole lot of push to them. So a sup actually works really well there. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I just, um, uh, he let me bar it for a couple days and I started surfing the the lower wave and it's after work. And I, I remember the very first time that I got up on a river wave on a, on an SUP and it just kind of clicked, you know, it was like one of those flow moments, you know, where everything, time kind of slows down, you know, all your body's moving at the right speed and everything's just kind of happening. Something just clicks in your mind and, and you're just, you know, totally enthralled with what's happening around you. So that was that moment for me. And, um, I just kind of went with it from there you know same thing that I did with kayaking early on I just I just uh, every moment that I wasn't working or doing something else I had to be paddling and it and the whitewater was kind of the niche for me you know because I I just I felt like the two meshed very well together for me which you know whitewater stuff's not an easy thing so for a lot of people it's it's very disorienting and hard but it just it all came together in my mind and my body and my footwork and my paddle work too which which was very helpful for kayaking so yeah, yeah. And,
0: and, just being, and being able to read the river
1: <clears throat> oh yeah so <clears throat> when you put all those together you know it's um god it was just like a i, I still i think about that moment a lot actually because i'm like gosh you know it was just one of those monumental moments in life where everything just kind of feels right it comes together and yeah it's just uh it's, it's a cool moment so yeah that was how it happened just you know lucky to meet those guys and happen to be testing out some boards and I I was actually the first person that ever tried their board besides Mike and Zach, the founders of Badfish. So that was kind of cool. So I I was able to kind of work with those guys with the boards and, and just the whole experience from the very beginning, which was cool. So, and there's a lot of other people too, at the same time, you know, Gavir was out there, Hobie, um, and some other folks in Colorado that I've been watching, you know, and I knew Gavir from kayaking. And I was just like, yeah, that looks really fun. And they I kind of looked up to them, you know, and, and then, um, So yeah, it all kind of sparked at the same time, which was cool.
0: That's so cool. So So. when you were, at that point in your career, what year was that?
1: Uh, You know, I think that was like 2010, I believe. Okay. Uh, Yeah, so about eight years ago or so, seven or eight years ago, yeah.
0: So so since 2010, you know, I've been following some of your exploits and whatnot, and and at some point you made you started doing these overnight or these self-support SUP trips. What, what's that all right. about?
1: Um, you know, I, I, gosh, ever since I started kayaking, you know, I've, I've been drawn to overnights and kayaks and it's, you know, very similar for I'm sure the reason why, you know, you like them. It's, it's, it kind of gets at the core of, for me, it gets at the core of why I want, I'm, I'm drawn to the water, you know, being on the water for multiple days and, you know, living on your own, out of your boat or your board, um, being comp- completely surrounded by the river environment and the mountains or wherever you happen to be. It just it just kind of brings everything together for me. And uh, yeah, it's uh, ever, ever since I started, I, I feel like more days I can spend on the waters, the better. And then, you know, if you can link up those days into an experience, um, I think it just gets really to the root of of why you want to be on the water and and what really makes me um, thrive as a paddler, you know? So it's full immersion, I guess.
0: No, I, I, that resonates loud and clear. What, what's your favorite paddleboard overnighter?
1: Uh, Like, like as far as the trip that I've done? Yeah. Just, just what's your favorite
0: adventure Um, you've been on multi-day? Oh geez.
1: Um, So far on a paddleboard, you know, well, like the beauty of the paddleboard overnight too, is it, it makes things, fun that per se wouldn't be so fun in a kayak and overnight like lots of flat water um easier things to do but yeah we've done some really cool ones out west i got a bunch more lined up for this year but i would say so far uh favorite one gosh we just did a really cool one on the colorado i'll i'll tell you about that in a second but um you know i would say the best one so far has been the san juan into lake powell so we did um the san juan into the san juan arm of lake powell And then we paddled pretty much about ninety percent of the lake down to the dam, Glen Canyon, and then back up to Bullfrog Marina. Um, So it was cool because it it actually, you know, the San Juan section. I'm sure you're familiar with that. It's pretty easy, straightforward, just classic desert whitewater. You know, beautiful sandstone canyons. You're out there. You see a couple of it's pretty. And then you get into, and it's it's a natural feeling to the river, obviously it's a natural river, but then it ends, you know, it pretty much dies into Lake Powell. So you get to see kind of the natural side and then the man-made side and, you know, the reasons of why we all don't like dams. And you had a lot of, of different aspects to that trip. Um, so that was pretty cool. And then you're on Lake Powell for five days paddling flat water. So that's a completely unique experience if you've ever been out there, it's, you know, it's not a place that people, uh, use human propelled, uh, boards or anything really. It's, it's just a, mo- it's full motorhead city, you know? Oh yeah. Uh, so it, we got the both, both sides of the equation there and it was just a, it was really a beautiful trip. Um, so yeah, so yeah, stuff like that, which on a paddleboard is cool to see. It just kind of opens your eyes to different dynamics that's going on around you. And, the whole Lake Powell thing with Colorado, you know, that's that was kind of a huge eye opener to actually paddle Lake Powell and see what's going on and talk to people and see the San Juan and how it, it dead ends into the, the river um, or into the lake. Sorry, that was quite the unique experience, uh, too. And no one actually goes below. Well, people do, but there's um, there's actually a, a an altered riverbed below uh, the takeout in Clay Hills for the San Juan into Lake Powell and all the sediment that's been piled up there has shifted the riverbed into, there's actually like a 20 to 30 foot waterfall, depending on water levels and how it shifts over this big sand, sandy ledge. And uh, that was never there before the lake was there. And then you go into this crazy um, almost like 80 to hundred mile dead zone where no one goes in between the river and the reservoir. So it's this crazy, is, it, it, like, it, was is all... it
0: like mud banks in that section?
1: Oh, super muddy banks. Yeah. You know, a little bit of reed vegetation and some sandbars. The river's starting to, you know, reclaim the natural channel. But, um, you know, the last 40, 50 miles is the most horrendous mud flats I've ever seen. You know, mm-hmm. you fall off and. You could like the ranger was telling us not to go because she's like you just don't, you can go over your head into muddy flats and stuff like that and we're like oh yeah okay didn't really believe her <laughs> but oh it was classic muddiest, yes, flats <laughs> and just kind of a wasteland so yeah it was wild to see but yeah so that was a cool trip how uh, many
0: uh, how many miles a day were you doing when you were on the San Juan
1: you know we not many we were doing I think we averaged about thirty five. Those so not big, a ton those you are know? big
0: days though i mean those are like six hour yeah, yeah, days
1: yeah. huh yeah yeah i mean big days you know if you're lincoln i think we did eight of those in a row so that was pretty good and we actually took fiberglass boards on that trip um big 14 uh 14 foot boards that uh, zach had made so we did have to portage a couple of those really shallow chunky rapids so that you know that took up some time too but um but yeah i'd say even um all the other trips it's kind of a 30 35 mile average day trip for the for the paddleboard stuff that we've been doing so pretty good so it's like doing five chatter jacks or 10 chatter jacks back to back you know
0: oh yeah i definitely i, I know exactly, i know i can <laughs> you know the feeling. I, I can picture it that, that's a that's yeah. that's an epic so did you jump on any houseboats when you got to the lake or did you paddle Whoa. the whole way <sighs> uh
1: i did set foot on one houseboat and i got a chicken wing and a beer it was almost forced <laughs> like i had no they would not leave us alone it was hilarious um but uh yeah we got invited to so many houseboat parties it was hilarious um but we're like no you know i mean we thought about it for a second where we were, we're kind of you know kind of take from the experience depending on what what you're trying to get you know um but it was fun yeah you meet so many cool people out there and boats it just kind of opens their eyes too to what we were doing on, on the lake and the flat water and they're like thinking about it you can tell it's processing in their mind and they're like that's yes, you know that's that's different and they <laughs> kind of get it they're like would you like a beer or what, what are you doing do you, do you need a place to stay we're like no no we're fine we're fine uh that's classic. Uh, yeah those are trips we did another cool one in november that was uh a very similar it was a, a very untraveled section of the colorado for for kayaks or paddle boards we did hoover dam to uh parker dam actually below havasu so that was kind of an interesting one. all flat water um going through a couple of reservoirs and um uh, but yeah just it was a beautiful area
0: so are you portaging so, when you get to the reservoirs or they have locks and dams or how, how... uh
1: we had to portage davis dam which is um right above a big casino town which was quite interesting as well um on the river yeah we just we had to walk around that we did we did like a two mile walk um because it's all shut down around there you know for security but so it wasn't too bad but uh yeah it was quite an epic portage for sure
0: What do you you mean security?
1: Um, Oh, just at the dams, you know, the big, uh, the whole power plants and the dams, you know, you, you could get up pretty close to it on the water, but then you couldn't access around it. You know, you had to kind of hike up over the hills and use some little dirt roads to get down to the base of the dam. So, uh, but yeah, that was cool.
0: So you've been doing this for a long time. Certainly probably had some ups and downs throughout your career what what was the point what was your lowest point what was the point you're like you know what i need to do something different i need to get a different job i need to (laughs) this is not you know the direction i need to be going was it a a moment when you were stranded out somewhere was it a big loss at a competition what would be your lowest point of your career
1: that's a good question um you know um i'm pretty fortunate i haven't had too many low points but i will say you know um I would say, I guess the, the most soul searching lowest point so far in the career would be, um, you know, I did go through a couple kind of job changes. I I did work for, um, company boardworks for a long time, um, managing their team, um, doing events. And I mean, I was, I was on the road for seven or eight months a year, which was great. It was one of the best jobs I've ever had in my life. And, um, You know, uh, as most companies do, they get bought and sold and stuff like that. And I went through a couple rounds of, uh, you know, a little corporate buyouts uh, with that company. Um, And, you know, a couple turnovers and people working there. And that was just kind of a a soul searching moment for me, I would say, um, where I went to full time working in the paddleboard industry. Um, to kind of part-time and then just as a team paddler and then a part-time team paddler through all the shifts and marketing and budgeting yeah. and all that sort of stuff, you know, um, which has happened with a lot of companies out there, you know, um, it's, it's a tough industry, but I would say that was probably the toughest moment because, um, you know, it kind of kicked, kicked my butt into thinking, you know, is this the right path? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Um, I went from full-time, you know, a- as a paddler making money to kind of part-time and then searching for other things to do. And after paddling for 10 years and kind the road I'm like oh man what have i been doing you know where am i going what uh, how am i gonna support myself for the next uh, 40 50 years and stuff like that um but you know I, it actually in retrospect after you know a little little downtime it actually did r- really good things for me i think it kind of uh broadened my horizons as far as what i sh- you know should do with my career path and other ways to make money and um i think what it did as well is it kind of brought to my attention that, uh, you know, I, sh- if I'm doing other things in life as well as paddling, um, that paddling can be more fulfilling if it's not full time, um, year round. So, uh, and it actually brought me back to, uh, my whitewater roots, which was great too. Cause I was kind of at the ocean a lot and doing other things and kind of traveling around, not paddling as much whitewater as I previously had. Um, when I first started in kayaking and then starting in sub. So, um, yeah it's great you know now i'm um when i'm paddling i'm prim- primarily paddling whitewater which is great and it's a little more fun too you know i i, I feel like i have a little bit more freedom with my paddling if, it, if it's not my hundred you know time-consuming job as a paddler so i'm such kind of some avenues it's, it's great yeah you know? so it was kind of a downtime but it also you know kind of brought it around and i think it, it's been a better shift overall so for me as a paddler and just me as uh you know just uh, Individual, you know, it's opened my eyes to the broader scope of life, I would say.
0: Yeah. So not
1: yeah. pigeonholed 100% into paddling all the time and just feeling like I had to be paddling all the time, um, which, you know, it's not a bad thing. But um, it kind of wears on you, I think, uh, or wore on me after five or six years of doing that 100% of the time. So,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. You managed to turn lemons into lemonade. What about. Uh, yeah, you know,
1: that's 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 how life rolls. Yeah, you know, it's what, always something.
0: <clears throat> what about the top? what's your favorite moment? What's your proudest achievement or what to this point, what are you, uh, what are you, what are you proud of?
1: Oh man. Um, you know, uh, geez, you know, there, I mean, there's a lot of good moments in, in paddling and racing, but you know, the, what I've learned is, uh, I think for me that the most memorable moments have been, um, either teaching people or, or showing them the river. Uh, I've done a lot of instruction, um, And I still do quite a bit of instruction over the summertime, mostly in the Rockies surrounding all the uh, the events and whatnot. And I honestly think that the most memorable moments are getting people to surf for the first time or um, opening their eyes to the river. Um, Actually, you know, oh, this is a great one. Hold on. I got to plug in my computer. It just it's beeping at me. It's about to die.
0: Uh, (laughs) I love uh, it. Yeah, go for it. So I don't know, you know L- listeners. I got to let you know we are in Mike T's gear closet right now as we are doing right. this interview, and it is such a rad scene. Anyway, go ahead.
1: Yeah, a uh, uh, random fact: these uh, all my gear closet shelves were actually uh, reclaimed wood from the OR show. Uh, you know how you know how trade shows? Gosh, there's so much stuff. People go in, they build a booth, and then they just chuck it. You know. And uh, Gina, my partner, and I always go around. It was easier when it was in Salt Lake. But um, even in Denver, we're heading out there next week. And, oh, we come back with so much good stuff. (laughs) Wood, I've built so many things at my house with all the reclaimed wood.
0: Dude, there's Uh, a value bomb for you right there if you're listening to the show, you know. Reclaim (laughs) some stuff from OR. Yeah, Yeah, this
1: this is actually from the one-wheel booth, too. It's pretty funny. Tons (laughs) of good woods. They were stuck to, to have to go to waste. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, well, here's an example of um, like uh, of a memorable moment. So, you know, Bodie Harrison. Oh, yeah. Um, just amazing paddler. Amazing one wheeler. Uh, just a great all around guy. Um, any board he gets on, he's just, you know, just destroying, as you've seen firsthand. Um, so he actually showed up him and his dad. His dad's an amazing paddler as well. Rich. Great dude. So they showed up to Paddle Fest, uh, CKS Paddle Fest in Colorado and Buena Vista and uh, I was doing a little river surfing lesson. It was freezing cold. It was snowing that year. Um, and these guys, are, they, they lived in the Front Range. And he said they just happened to be driving around. They saw a sign for a paddling fest. They're like, I have no idea what that is. Let's just drive to the river, check it out. So they're wandering around, you know, wearing like, I think they were wearing shorts and, you know, <laughs> just just wandering up. And they're like, hey, we we want to learn how to do this. Like, we just saw someone surfing up there in that river wave. and. I've been to the ocean a couple times, you know, we're skaters, we're snowboarders. We want to do that now. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, I have this river, uh, river surfing clinic coming up here in an hour. You, you know, maybe go, go to the store, get some wetsuits, come back. Um, I'll get you rolling, teach you how to, how to river surf. I've never, never, never seen white water, stuff like that. So uh, I get them out there and they're just uh, having the time of their lives. You know, I'm teaching them how to read water, how to swim in white water introduce them to the board how to get into river waves as opposed to ocean stuff that they'd done and by the end i mean they were hooked like fully hooked they went and bought boards <laughs> um
0: so cool.
1: they were we had to in early because they literally i think they got it was like you know how cold the water is in colorado and gosh they had like rented farmer john's with splash tops and we were swimming for hours and i, I felt so <laughs> bad for them. um but i mean they're hooked and, and now they're both amazing paddlers and and so it's moments like that you know that i i think i get the most out of um just seeing the progression you know um being able to pass something on because you know obviously can't paddle forever um but yeah being able to pass things on to other generations and you know be able to spark moments like that and just motivate other people or just uh keep the conversation going you know um i think that's what it's all about so
0: you know yeah I love that. I have had that same sense of accomplishment before teaching somebody something. It's amazing that, uh, when you see that energy infect them, it, it has a lasting impact on you.
1: Oh, it does. You know, I, it energizes me. It gets me more excited about, you know, what I'm doing and, and involving other people and just, yeah, it just keeps that, uh, keeps that feeling going, you know, it just, just gets that, uh, karmic, you know, down the line and, you know, if, if, what, what are we in it if we're not for just to get more people in it to it and, you know, spread the love and spread the excitement and, Mm -hmm. you know, grow the sport, you know? So yeah.
0: More people to shine with.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, And fortunately, you know, uh, the river's not overcrowded like the ocean, so we could always use more people, you know? So that's great.
0: Through the course of these interviews, I've noticed that a lot of top tier athletes in various fields a lot of them are multi-sport and Mm -hmm. it's interesting how this trend comes up and the more research I do on it it shows even you know like division one college football teams and whatever a lot of the coaching staff and recruiting people even up to the pro level I'm talking big sports like NBA and NFL one of the first questions recruiters will ask are, are what other sports you're into because it gives you a right a better dynamic and awareness. What other sports are you into? And do you see that as, as, as crossing over and allowing you to have, you know, maybe a better understanding of gravity, a different level of creativity. What, what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on that subject?
1: Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I feel like being a well, more well-rounded athlete and just being aware of your body and moving it in different ways. And, um, for example, you know, I, I I was actually a snowboarder before I was a paddler. So I did take about five years off from snowboarding um, when I was paddling, you know, nine, 10, 11 months out of the year. But so I've gotten back into that. I've been living in Salt Lake City, as you know. So, um,
0: epic snows got, this
1: year. Oh, gosh, I know. I know. <laughs> My roommate's just heading out to Jackson right now. <clears throat> I took off a couple days of work last week. <laughs> this week, it, yeah, so good. We had a 22 inch day on on Tuesday morning, it was just, it was unbelievable. Sorry, so,
0: to, sorry to interrupt. I just, I've i just been following some friends out there and you, and it yeah, yeah. looks like you've been fully getting it's the It's been off.
1: good, you know, and it comes full circle, a good winter, as you know, as you know, it's, it just means a good paddling season for us a little earlier and just a little more water, a little more, just opens the door huge out West. So, um, and for, just for, for water for a living too. I mean, we're in, uh, we're hurting out here for water. So it's just, it's good for the planet in general. But, um, but yeah, you know, I, I think uh, being a multi-sport athlete is good. You know, I, I feel like when I switch gears, say to snowboard or um, even one wheeling um, or, you know, I get on the bike a couple times, um, you know, it, it kind of trains different muscle groups. And I, I feel like it, uh, it just, your body just talks to it to itself a little bit better. And then you get back, you feel a little, I feel a little bit more refreshed when I do get back on the board. Um, and obviously, you know, just, just stronger in general, but yeah, it's, it, it's a huge part. I think just getting my mind out of paddling for a little bit too, and not thinking about it as much and say, working on my flow when I'm snowboarding or skateboarding and, and one wheeling and stuff like that. Actually a lot of the same body mechanics. Um, I try to transfer into my other sports as well. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's it's so helpful for me, honestly.
0: A second ago you were talking about how you you basically walked away from your snowboard for like 5 years. When you went back yeah, to it yeah. was it, was it sort of you didn't miss a beat or did you feel like you even had levels of progression or what was that feeling like? You
1: know, I I feel like um yeah, I definitely it took me a little bit, but honestly, I don't think I missed a beat, you know, cuz all the all the board sports that I've been doing were were very similar. Um, As far as, you know, footwork and body work and body mechanics and rotating and, you know, you know, spotting with your eyes and stuff like that. So it it literally came right back to me, which was great because I did spend about five winters in Colorado and and Idaho pretty heavy into snowboarding, too, at the same time while I was uh, kayaking and supping. So um, they they were all kind of intertwined. But, yeah, I did. I took some time off and um, it got me a little more excited when I did get back into it. But, uh, yeah, you know. it was kind of like, it was weird, you know, cliche, you know, like riding a bike, you know, just jumped right back into mm-hmm. it. It was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So that muscle memory was was still there, oddly enough, after five years. So.
0: so narrowing in on your SUP career, as you got better, you were, you know, you were surfing more waves, you weren't blowing your line to get on them. And, you know, you were just being more efficient, right. standing up through bigger rapids. Was there ever an aha moment or, or a point where you had a breakthrough in your paddling that you can remember hmm, and, and if so, how do you think you got there?
1: Well, let's see. Break. I would say break. I've, I've definitely had a bunch of breakthrough moments. Um, most of those would probably honestly, I think it comes from, from racing. A lot of my breakthrough moments. Um,
0: dude, that's exactly the same thing that I've experienced. I, have, <laughs> really? when, I when I really yeah. started getting into racing and putting some time uh-huh. into getting fit. Mm-hmm. That, that's interesting. Is there one, one example that, that sticks out? Um, you know,
1: there, there's certainly a couple races, you know, like I, I would say for one, um, You know, the GoPro games, um, that downriver sprint is such a short, um, it's a four-mile sprint, you know, but there's so many things at play. There are so many factors. You know, you're reading the water. You're dealing with high-altitude sprinting. You know, know, your heart rate is just skyrocketing. Uh, Honestly, I think that was one of the first times that I figured out, I, I feel like I'd gotten into the flow state during racing where everything just kind of melts away. You know, you're so focused that stuff is happening you know, it's split seconds, fractions of a second, everything's just coming together and you feel almost feel invincible in that flow state. And I had been as a paddler for a long time. I've felt that before, but you know, I'd read books about it and talked to other people about it. And I I don't think I'd ever really experienced it quite like during racing or, or surfing or something like that. But yeah, that was probably it, you know? Um, and and for me too, I I think what helped was. not getting too heady, not thinking about it too much, just focusing on your lines, um, you know, your speed, your breathing and what all the basics, you know, that I've built up over the years in, in reading whitewater and paddling white water. So yeah, that was probably one of those moments, you know, I, I, I remember it vividly is it's like one of the best flow states I've, I feel like I've ever been into. So, um, and then just going from there, I think you can build on that. Um, in, in all my paddling, you know, surfing downriver, whatnot, just, relaxing and and focusing on the tasks at hand and i I find myself having more fun getting into that state of of just pure bliss on the water more often um after you know yeah after that racing experience and and it helped to push push myself because i honestly i was never very i was motivated to learn and become a better paddler but i was never motivated to you know to be into competitions and that sort of stuff i'm a very laid-back paddler and um yeah, more self-motivated, and instead of being motivated by other people around me on the river, but it, I think racing really helped me um, kind of fine-tune my my skills and and that sort of stuff. Mindset on the river.
0: What about your diet? Do you have any diet trends? I, I know I talk to a lot of people, and people have some. You know, a lot of athletes have some. Some people just I ah, just eat straight up, eat whatever I want, and other people have some pretty extensive yeah. diets. Do you Do you subscribe to any of that?
1: No, I, you know. um, I've been meaning to over the years and uh, I do, man, my partner Gina gives me so much flack for what I eat. It's hilarious. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I've always just, I've, I've been so lucky, you know, I've, I, I, I definitely, I try to eat, you know, healthy and not too, I, I, I used to be just full on fast food road, I was a road warrior for, you know, eight years and, Living on the in the RV on the road, it was hard to hard to eat right. Oh, honestly, yeah. expensive and hard on the road. You know, you know, it's when you're traveling, you just you don't want to spend the time to cook and all that sort of stuff. So, I had pretty bad healthy, uh, pretty bad eating habits, honestly. And um, I've just been fortunate, you know, I've always been so active to burn it off. But as I would say as I get older, it's a little bit harder. So, um, you know, last year I think the first time I, I implemented a little bit stricter diet when I was racing all the whitewater races over the summer. Um, but it, it kind of just turned into not, not really drinking any beer and just, uh, <laughs> and just staying really hydrated, maybe a little bit of protein, a little bit of, you know, making some smoothies before races. But, um, yeah, no, I can't say that I have a good, healthy eating habit. I can't, <laughs> I'd be lying. My, my, all my friends would, would hound me if I said I had some strict diet.
0: <laughs> if there was a young paddler came up to you and he said, Hey, what advice could you give me so I could, I could make it to the top tier of this sport? What, what, what advice would you give? Um, you know,
1: gosh, it's honestly, it's pretty simple. I I feel like just, you know, follow, follow, follow your passion for one. I mean, paddle as much as you can, you know, learn from other people. Um, you know, I, I would say what really helped me was, um, not really focusing on on becoming a career because I, I feel like if if you focus on paddling becoming a career or, or you know getting any monetary value out of it or something like that or it, it kind of takes away from from the core of the sport and and it can take away from your skill progression in some sense. I would just say just you know paddle as much as you can. But what I found like my first four or five years of paddling, all I did was was just go out there and paddle and pick one thing and work on it over and over, do it a thousand times, you know, until it came second nature. So I didn't even think about anything. I didn't think about it becoming part of my life or part of my career. I just, I just went out there and did what I love, you know? No so
0: that's a common trend amongst these interviews yeah. is just, just go out and shred as much as you can.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, um, yeah. Cause life's short, you never know what's going to happen. And I mean, honestly, the most, you know, uh, well, I guess one other thing too, you know, it's like, uh, especially in the paddling world, like the the SUP and the ocean and the, the sup world, I think people get a little too caught up in what's cool and what's not. And, um, you know, especially in the surfing, you know, the shortboards and there's like people wearing this and not wearing this and there's kind of these divisions, it's kind of rolling over from a more of a, of a surf attitude out there, but gosh, you know, it comes back to the basics of like, whoever's having the most fun on the river is winning a hundred percent of the time, you know? So, um, I get laughed off the river all the time. I love it. Uh, (laughs) like it's so fun to me. I love it. You know, I'm always the dude river surfing with EFD, the helmet, the shoes, the dry suit, the leash, you know, and everyone's looking at me sideways and I'm like, I'm just having a ball. So, you know, it's just, that's what it's all about. It's about having fun. And, um, you know, you go out there and you're just giving it. You're all having the blast. People, you know, people recognize that. People, people will start to look up to that and people realize why you might do these things differently and why it might be a better way or, you know, a safer way per se. Um, so, yeah, you know, just just having fun.
0: On our pre-show, I kind of commented that, you know, it's a big deal if you're a basketball player and get your own sneaker. You know, it's a big deal if you're a skateboarder and you get your own deck. You're a you're a paddleboarder and you have your <laughs> own board. So somewhere along the line, you did something right as far as sponsorship and that kind of thing. If you're if you're young and you're looking looking to get sponsors, you know, what how do you, how do you how do you how did you pull that off?
1: Um, gosh, you know, it kind of pulls into what I was just saying earlier. You know, it was just a lot of hard work and time, honestly. Um, just a lot of hours on the river, um, you know, a lot of giving back to the community, a lot of doing events, um, like teaching classes, um, showing up to races, just being there with the community and having fun. Um, I think, I think went a long way. And then, you know, honestly, it just came down to, uh, a little bit of the right timing at the right place. You know, I'd, um, and then I, it's being, being paddling for so long, you know, you're, you're constantly trying to design new boards and there, honestly, there was a need for, uh, some new designs too. And, um, knowing the bad fish guys, we, d- we've just been working on these concepts and every time we're out on the river, we're always talking about new board designs and, you know, after, seven or eight years it just kind of culminated they're like hey it's time we need to make this board we've been talking about it for a couple years we've always been paddling we've been we haven't been paddling what what we want under our feet on the river um so yeah it just it was just one of those one of those glorious moments of uh of years of hard work and designing and thinking about it and just putting in the time and effort so yeah i'm so grateful and uh yeah it's it's good to paddle a board that um actually works really well in the river you know there's a lot out there but but it's we're really stoked of that board design so yeah, yeah. it's fun
0: the river shred is Difficult is, too you know yeah yeah the river shreds top notch on the on the river so
1: <laughs> thanks Ed. yeah
0: you, you were like i said earlier you were kind of an early adopter in this sup especially mm-hmm. inland what have you seen over your course you talked you mentioned earlier about the ups and downs the buyouts you know what what have you seen mm-hmm. happen with the sport and and after that where do you think it'll be in the next five years
1: yeah geez uh that's a complicated one but yeah you know it's been it's been crazy you know um i was i was lucky enough to get there early you know um and just be a part of it. You know, I was never trying to be a part of the the industry at the beginning, but it, yeah, it saw the, I just exponential growth, you know, like every year sales were double, we're going like 40 and 50%, um, growth for everybody. Didn't matter if you were a big company, a little mom and pop and sold 20 boards a year, you know, it was just crazy. So, um, you know, honestly, the, I feel like this, the industry is pretty healthy now. I feel like, um, it's leveling out a little bit as far as the number of brands and the, the number of boards that are out there. And, I, I everybody that's stuck through um I would say like the, the hard times of, of sales dropping, a little bit of financial drop for paddleboarding. I think I think they're they're better off for it because I think um you know the designs have gotten better, everybody's kinda called down all the boards we don't need, um the processes of making boards have gotten better, technology's gotten a little bit better, and, and what I've found is that everybody's got their little niche now, you know, whether it's whitewater, ocean surfing, uh, racing flat water. Um, I feel like the people that made the best boards in those areas have prevailed. Um, and they're still there, they're still making amazing products and they're, they're going to continue to grow, you know, for example, like the whitewater seen in Colorado and out West, like the whole intermountain West and Asheville, as you know, like so many more people are paddle boarding on the river and just the flat water there through French broad town, you know? Um, so those little niches are going to continue to grow. And I, um, I think it's a healthy industry. You know, it's, it's, I think the hard part is that all the companies aren't seeing that, you know, huge monetary growth like they were before, but, you know, have to kind of settle down, rethink some things. You know, it's, it's still growing. It's just not that exponential. People just aren't jumping in and getting a piece of pie like they wanted to at the beginning. So I think it's healthier overall for the industry. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's tough, you know, um, and it's still growing. I think, I think it's, uh, it just people aren't seeing it grow like it was. So maybe in most people's eyes, it's just not uh, not quite as cool or not quite as blowing up as it used to be. But, yeah, I, I think it's going to keep going, you know. I mean, we're seeing um, just from a river standpoint, you know, it's, gosh, last year, like two years ago, Paddle Fest maybe had four or five people in a river surfing class. Last year we had 20, and all the classes were selling out, and people are just – you know they're going for it and that's great because they're they're in a place where they're landlocked and they don't get to paddle and that's they they're find, they're starting to see this opportunity so the new generations are seeing it and yeah it's going to keep going you know people are asking for more clinics and people are asking for more more boards and more races and stuff in certain areas you know like ocean and racing and certain scenes has dry, dropped off but it's kind of filled in in other pockets i feel like mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. well yeah. one thing i've noticed is that there may not be the uh, the explosive growth of people buying a board to put on their dock and to paddle around, you, right. know, you know, or whatever. But the passion people, the people getting into surfing, or the people doing their first graveyard at Carolina Cup, you know, those that's healthy right. and strong. So oh, it's so healthy to me. That's a to me that's a sign of a not maybe not on unsustainable growth, but a maturing sport that has a legit foundation, you know? So, Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah. You can take, uh, take that Chatterjack race in Chattanooga. That's as a great example. I mean, that's a mind blower for, for the racing paddleboard racing. You know, it's, it's sold out. I think it's like 650 people last year, um, signed up. It's sold out in eight hours, which is unheard of for a paddleboard race, Mm -hmm. but it's such a strong community. Like you were saying, Mm -hmm. um, so it's out there and that's just beginners all the way up to advanced paddlers in that race you know so it's everybody it's cool yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. there's a core nebulous that's not going away I, I agree with you. oh yeah yeah what are you up to uh what's your plans it's the start of the new year 2019 what are you up to what can we look forward to from mike t this year
1: oh uh, that's a good question um you know i'm uh i'd say i'm well i'm laying low for a little bit you know just trying to uh, i'm working i've been working some construction actually it's been really fun doing a lot of finished work so um, trying to hammer out some some work over the next few months so i can free up some paddling time in the spring for some trips um <clears throat> one thing that i'm going to really try to get into this year like we talked about some more self-supports uh, a couple things that a couple places that people haven't done self supports, or maybe just in like a different way on an sup um, one thing that's really cool um think you'll find interesting is we've got this new inflatable surfboard you've probably seen it oh Um, yeah i know justin at southern raft supply has a couple um they're starting to pop up in asheville and uh, which is awesome but uh you know i'm going to take that on some self-support trips this year um so i mean it it rolls up so you know so small it's probably yeah maybe eight to ten pounds pretty light so i can strap it on the back of the board um i really want to get to some places that um and not just to surf waves, just to say I've been the first to surf, but just get to inaccessible places via paddleboard or kayak. I'm actually thinking about strapping it to the back of kayak to do some harder whitewater and find some waves. But, yeah, just stuff like that, you know, finding some new waves that aren't accessible via, you know, roadside or something like that. Um, just kind of opening some doors to different places to paddle. Um, really excited about uh, – actually, there's a – the longest race in Japan, some of our buddies in Japan are putting on this race called the T 80 and it's a 80 kilometers or 50 mile race. Um, my buddy Bradley Hilton did it. Um, I don't know if you've met Bradley, but he's a bad fish paddler, really good guy. And it starts in the mountains with class two, three whitewater and finishes in the bay just past Tokyo. So nice. um, really cool race that could be, you know, they're, they're trying to grow that quite like Chattajack, you know, it's just a, but it's cool cause it starts with the river and then ends, you go through Tokyo and then out to the bay. So, Something like that. But yeah, just trying to, you know, trying to get, um, just do a little bit more traveling with paddling. I, I've been kind of, um, you know, doing the same old things, which nothing wrong with it. I'll do the same old events and, um, I love the events, the river surfing and the paddling and the racing events, do that. But I'd really like to get out and do some more adventure stuff. So, which will probably be some self supports. Um,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I got a couple, couple up my sleeve, but, um, trying to get some people. Yeah. There's a couple gosh, there's, there's some that I just can't get anybody to go in. Cause they're just so hellish and brutal. Um, <laughs> which is funny, you know, like, uh, I've got one buddy who told me he would never, ever go on a flat water paddling expedition with me again, which is hilarious. Uh, cause I can just, I love, I don't know what it is. Um, in a kayak, I wasn't so drawn to the flat water, but in a sup, you know, I can, I can pound out flat water for days and it's, it's somehow enjoyable,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: but, um, well, for our listeners
0: who aren't quite up to speed on um, the river surfer that Mike is talking about, Badfish makes a super short um, inflatable that packs down really small that you can have your long 14-foot board, your expedition board or kayak or whatever, and you can stuff this little boat. And if you find a good wave, it basically inflates to a fairly high-performance surfboard.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's the most high performance that um, I've ever set foot on as far as an inflatable surfboard, yeah. People have tried to do it, but, you know, the technology has gotten better. They're stiffer, they're lighter, and they're pretty snappy for a little inflatable surfboard, so perfect.
0: Super functional for the river. Oh, yeah. I um, mean, I I, I can see people just, like, doing loading six people up on a raft and taking two of those things and just going down a river and just sessioning the whole way down, you know, just setting up your camp where you can session like that
1: absolutely yeah, yeah yeah that's crossed my mind so many times i was trying to get out to the golly to do a little trip like that actually this year a little lower golly or even upper you know in a little raft and hop out surf diagonal ledges for a couple of hours cruise Man, down so yeah it, it kind of opens up so many doors which you don't think about you know it's you, cool
0: you know it's it would be hard for you to hit i mean not this year it wouldn't be hard to hit because it's been running high water the whole year but it would be great to get out of the nola chucky at four or five thousand cfs with one of those things mm-hmm I know. I mean, there's a half I've... dozen waves, like six or eight waves, that you'd be torqued the whole time.
1: Oh, I know. I've been. I was drooling over your videos of of high water knowledge, Chucky. Oh gosh, last time I saw him, it's like,
0: oh gosh, it was <laughs> so good, well,
1: so good. Well, where so can
0: good. where can our listeners uh, follow you at? Where, where do uh, where, where what's your favorite um communic- digital communication platform <laughs> of choice? um you know lately it's been a little more instagram
1: um i would say just at river shred um so yeah at Rivershred or my website has a little bit of info um what's, to what's that URL? With. it's uh just rivershred.com. rivershred.com. yeah so and i actually got a bunch of videos up there that i did last year a bunch of paddling instructional videos which are, which uh people really like just you know a little bit of everything so from basics to advanced um sup so you know it's all free get it out there get more people on the river um which is great so but yeah yeah that's about it river shred and a little bit on the facebook you know but uh i don't know you know, sometimes i i've been taking a little little dive from the the social media over the winter and then it kind of ramps back up in paddling season you know as i'm traveling a little bit more but uh it's always good to take a little little breather from that stuff from time to time yeah. for myself but uh but yeah so um well i got one more thing too i'm thinking um so I'm planning a um, a weekend paddling, uh, um, instructional weekend, actually in BV this year. So um, you're familiar with, uh, you know, Jed Selby, obviously, oh, uh, that yeah. development he did in Buena Vista at yeah. the Surf Hotel. If you haven't been there, it's, gosh, it's unbelievable. This beautiful building, hotel, bar and restaurants right beside the river park there. A um, couple waves, you know, really great place to learn how to downriver paddle. So I'm putting together um a paddling weekend uh, it's going to be called camp shred um hope so probably i think it's going to be um first weekend of june so anybody that's interested you can look for that uh probably be up on the website in the next couple of weeks so
0: yeah. Love that. Go to rivershred.com and check that out. I, you know, is it a two day camp, three day camp, one week camp? Yeah, it's what just going to be two days.
1: Um, yeah, it's going to be a weekend, you know, it's a lot easier logistically for people. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be one day of river surfing and then one day of down river, um, instructions. So a little bit, of everything basics. Um, and that's a great venue cause you have, you know, really good little boulder gardens, flat water, class two, three rapids. So it's all right there and it's walkable, which is a really cool um, environment to be in. You know, you don't have to drive shuttle. You can just, you know, right there, you got the hotel right next to you. It's, it's just a beautiful place too. It's cool what they've done to that area. So
0: well, go to rivershred.com learn from the best, find a mentor, which is so important in any sport that you want to, you, you want to excel at. How about some shout outs to some of your sponsors? Is there anybody you'd like to give a big thank you to?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, Badfish, you know, um, Badfish SUP. Uh, oh, good, great supporters over the years. Really uh, been influential in my paddling. Um, course, um, couldn't have done without them. Um, and then, you know, all the gear sponsors, too. Great. You know, Astral, obviously, those guys um, supplying me with great protection over the years, the footwear, uh, PFDs uh shred ready helmets like i said earlier i'm always the dude wearing the helmet and the PFD, so and the footwear <laughs> but uh i'm always riding high in the water when i'm swimming which is great uh so you know and then you know i, I honestly uh I, I just picked up a cool um new dry suit these guys out of uh, he's out of portugal actually now he moved to portugal but it's called subskin and it's like the lightest you've probably seen some folks wearing it but it's, it's like a light super lightweight um dry suit so really stretchy uh, made for sup um, feels like you're just wearing you know jacket and pants it's really cool so those guys have been great to me um, and uh, Werner paddles too I've been loving the new Werners and uh, gosh I'm so abusive on my ear, I'm sure you are too but uh, it's so nice to have something you can just wrench on in the river you know um, so those yeah indestructible I love it so but yeah that's about
0: well, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the show after your after your day at work, Mike. And man, value bombs galore. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. It was it was great talking to you as always. Hopefully, we get to paddle and hang out together soon. All
0: right. Well. Anyway, um, yeah, Mike T on the hot seat, and uh, we will see you on the river, bud.
1: All right. Thanks, John.